Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and turn to Luke 15th chapter. Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be this morning. I have titled this message, So Far Away, is the name of the message this morning. So Far Away. Now there's a phrase that is common, so common that we just don't even realize it anymore. It's been around for many, many years and it's in front of most of our eyes almost on a daily basis. And I look back uh, this week to see when the when it came about and when it was had begun to, to be required. And the best I can tell it was talked about in the late 60s and then it became law in the early 70s. It's required in five countries, the United States, Canada, Nepal, India, and Saudi Arabia. Five countries, it's required by law. Can you guess what the phrase is? We see it almost every day. Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. And I didn't really remember growing up, I, I didn't notice it that much, didn't think about it, but it, it became, a, became a law in the early 70s that it had to be on every vehicle in the United States. My first vehicle was a 79 Toyota Celica that my Uncle Kerry drove until he wore it out, and then I spent $200 fixing the heads on it, and, and I drove it, but I remember on that Celica, it had that mirror and it had the wording there. But things always look so far away in those mirrors, and I, I hate them. There's supposed to be some good out of them. You're supposed to be able to see things in your blind spot, but I think they cause more problems to me most of the time because things just look so far away. If you're like me, there's been times in your life when God seems so far away. Those times of spiritual drought where we can't seem to get our prayers answered and we can't seem to hear God speaking to us. Have you had those times? And we say, we may be going through troubled times and we say, Lord, where are you? Why aren't you answering me? Here I am. I, I, I'm struggling. I need you. And so we're going to examine a couple of reasons in Luke, the 15th chapter this morning, as to why God may seem so far away to us. Now let's look at the text starting in Luke chapter 15 and starting in verse 1. Now this, this passage of Scripture, a lot of people say this is three parables in this chapter. And as I've read through it, I, I really think it's just one long parable with two different applications, two different meanings. Two different ways of looking at things. We're going to read through till about verse 24, and then we'll pick up some points there in just a minute. Starting in Luke chapter 15, 
in verse 1. God's word says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. This is Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Moving on in verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then in verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a, young, uh, a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now we've all heard sermons on the prodigal son time and again. And this is not a sermon about the prodigal son. But I wanted to point out two things in this passage that jumped out at me when we look at the reasons to why God maybe sometimes seems so far away. Number one, maybe God seems so far away because we're not really His. We're lost. When I first started in the insurance business 22 years ago, I was young and green and 
uh, husband and his wife moved to Brooksville and, and uh, she had family that was there and so they moved to Brooksville and bought a small house and, and the guy was not from the south but he called and so I went and I visited with him and uh, in that conversation something came up about religion and y'all he went on to tell me he said I've read the Bible I just don't believe a, a word in it and I'd never encountered anybody that way and it, it, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck I didn't know what to say he said, I, I've read it, have read it. It's a good story. I just don't believe a word in it. I don't believe any of it's true. And that just kind of shook me to my core because I've never met anybody that was just boldly an atheist. But he was. So it's easy to spot when you're lost and like that. But what if you know, we've grown up in the Bible Belt of the South and we were in church, most of us, from the time we're little bitty babies all the way up. So it's just a way of life to be part of church and to come to church. But we have to be very careful that we don't just have a head knowledge of the Lord and not a heart knowledge. I've heard it said that the you know, a cubit is a measurement in the Bible, eight, about 18 inches. And I've heard you say the cubit, the 18 inches from head to heart, is sometimes the hardest length to cross. And when I look back on that time when I encountered this man in Brooksville and, we, and he told me he didn't believe the Bible and it shook me, I realized after looking back, I had a head knowledge back then, but I didn't have it in here. And it only took me a few years for God to show me that. So let me break it down to you this way. There's people in this town that I know who they are. You know, less old so-and-so. You know who they are, but you don't really know them until you develop that relationship and that friendship with them. How many times have you seen somebody from a distance and you knew who they were but until you really got to know them your opinion of them changed that happens to me all the time you have somebody out there that maybe you don't think too highly of. we talked about that in sunday school this morning but when you take the time to get to know them you realize oh they're not at all what i thought about them and so we have to be very careful that we don't just have a head knowledge, but that we also have a heart knowledge. And it's hard for me to imagine because this man in Brooksville that I, that I talked to and he said, I don't believe the Bible, I've read it. It's hard for me to imagine that he was truthful in saying that. Because just a few years afterward, and I began to read this Bible, and it had a profound effect on my life that had I not picked it up. So it's hard for me to understand that he read it and didn't believe a word of it. When you've got eyewitness testimony in there that walked and talked and handled Jesus. You think about the Pharisees as we talked about in Matthew chapter 23. They were walking and talking with Jesus, but they didn't believe. They knew who he was. They knew he was a carpenter's son. 
but they didn't believe him because their hearts and minds were blinded to the truth. And Jesus pronounced to them that seven woes in the 23rd chapter of Matthew. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter in, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. It goes on, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe to you blind guides, you blind fools, and I'm skipping on now. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You tithe and do all the things you're supposed to, but you, you don't practice them without neglecting what you should be taking care of. He goes on to say, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. And then he goes on later to talk about the fact that they're whitewashed tombs that inside are filled with dead men's bones. But I want you to turn back to Luke and look at the uh, text again. I want you to notice in verse 4, I want you to notice something about the good shepherd. When someone is lost, he goes after the sheep. It says he leaves the 99 in the open country and goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. Jesus is pursuing us each and every day. Scripture tells us that He's not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. He's calling us to Him all the time. But sometimes we want to keep Him at arm's length. Notice, when He does find the sheep, what does He do? cares for it. Puts it on his shoulders. I was reading something this week and, and I, after reading some more I thought, oh that's, that's a cool illustration but it's actually a myth. It told a story about how when you had a wayward sheep and the sheep was lost and kept getting lost that the shepherd would break his legs to make him totally reliant on the shepherd. Come to find out that's really not what actually happened. It makes a good story. But one other commentator said they, they did put a break B-R-A-K-E. Kind of hobble them a little bit with a, with a splint to make them where they can't run, could not run off. And so the shepherd would take care of them and feed them and he had to stay close to the shepherd. And after a period of time, he never left the shepherd's side again. And that's the way it is with us. But notice the rejoicing in this passage of Scripture. As he finds a sheep, he, he says in verse... Let's see, that's verse uh, 6. He says, And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I think what he's saying there that these Pharisees that he was talking to felt like they didn't need to repent. They felt like they didn't need to. And if you go on and, and look at the, the uh, second part there, talking about the lost coin, 
says she lights a lamp and sweeps the house and searches carefully until she finds it. She keeps searching. Keeps looking. And then when she does find it, she calls and she says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. And then he says in verse 10 there, In the same way, I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's joy in heaven when someone comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus. So sometimes when God seems so far away, it could be that we're lost. There's another possibility in this passage. If we're lost, and, and Jesus talked in chapter 7 there in Matthew, said, many will cry out in, in the last day, say, Lord, we did all this in your name. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. What a tragedy. To go through life and he say, I never knew you. Not, I used to know you, but I hadn't seen you in a while. Or, when you were little, you came down and, and you made a profession of faith, and, and, and I hadn't. We hadn't talked much lately. He doesn't say that. He says, I never knew you. What a tragedy. So you may be lost if you can't hear God and He seems so far away. There's another possibility. You may be what I call lapsed. I'm simple-minded. All of my points have to start with the same letter. It's easier for me to keep up. You could be lost or you could be lapsed. In other words, backslidden. And then we go back into the latter part of this passage here talking about the prodigal son. Starting in verse 11, he says, There was a man who had two sons. A younger one said to his father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. Squandered his wealth in wild living. The King James Version says, wasted his substance with riotous living. The New American Standard Version says it this way. He squandered his estate with loose living. He was living in sin. Away from his home. Away from the Father. And doing his own thing. And he became impoverished and in need. I thought about the words this week to that Dire Straits song and it's been running through my head all week. Here I am again in this mean old town and you're so far away from me. And where are you when the sun goes down? You're so far away from me. So far away from me, so far I just can't see. So far away from me. You're so far away from me. Why is it when we get in these situations that we say it that way? When we get caught up in sin, it's almost like we want to blame God. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide your face Hide yourself in times of trouble. Why are you standing over there, Lord? Why are you hiding your face from me? I, I'm right here. I need your help now. Why can't I hear you? Psalm 23 says it this way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. It's almost like we're blaming God for being over there and not talking to us. Where are you, Lord? I even thought about this week, you get the story of Ruth and Naomi. And what did Naomi say when she returned? The Lord has dealt me a heavy hand. It's almost like she's blaming God. When all the while, the problem is us. It's nothing wrong with Him. The problem is with us. And we're lapsed into a life of sin. Isaiah the 59th chapter says this and and, uh, says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor His ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins. There's nothing wrong with God's hearing. And there's nothing wrong with God's arms. And there's nothing wrong with God's abilities. They are perfect. But we spend all our time blaming Him and He's saying, oh, He's not answering me. He's not coming to my need. And what we ought to be doing is kneeling and bowing just like the tax collector in Luke 18. and Beating our chests. Have mercy on me, O God. I'm a sinner. That's what we need to be doing. Let's look back at the text. In verse 17 of Luke, chapter 15, he'd been living a life of sin, living, living a, a, a loose living as the New American Standard says. And verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, I know I've been this way before, and maybe some of you have too, when you're, when you're caught up in sin, it's almost like you've lost your mind. You don't want to hear the truth. You want to do it your way in your time. You don't want to hear all that. We lose our senses. But the Bible says here that when he came back to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. And so he went on. And you want, I want you to notice what the father did. You remember we talked earlier, Jesus is pursuing us. If we're not his, he's pursuing us. If we are his, but we've backslidden, we've lapsed, he's still pursuing us and wooing us back to him. And the father is looking for the son. And you notice when he sees him from a far distance, he runs to him. It's at those times when we beat our chest and say, Lord, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner, that all of a sudden he's right there. And suddenly we can hear his voice and he answers our prayers. But until we surrender all, we're not going to be able to hear him. Our iniquities block him and he hides his face from us because of our sins. Listen to this passage of scripture, and I, I just fell out of my chair when I when I found this the other day. It's Isaiah 49, starting in verse 15. It 
If we're a child of God and we've fallen into sin, we've backslidden, we've lapsed, God says, I'm not going to forget you. Listen to this verse here. Chapter 49, Isaiah, and verse 15. It says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And listen to this verse 16. God says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. If you're a child of God, He has engraved your name on His hands. The girls were writing on their hands with pen the other day. I said, y'all don't need to be doing that. And many of you have done that. Maybe if you didn't want to forget something, you jot it down on your hand if you don't have a piece of paper. And the Bible says He has engraved us on the palms of His hands. How wonderful an illustration that is. He will not forget us. If we are His, He's ready and willing to forgive if we'll just turn and come back. So you may not be hearing God today because you're lost. Could be that you are having trouble hearing God because, and He seems so far away because you've lapsed. But church, I've got good news for you. You may be lost, you may be lapsed, but you can be liberated by coming to Jesus. Come to Him and give your heart to Him. Maybe for the first time in your life. Maybe you need to lay some things at His feet that you've gotten caught up in. Ephesians says we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can be liberated. John 3.16 is a familiar verse. And He says, Whoever believes in Him shall not perish. And then if you want to turn with me to Romans 8, I'll end with this. Romans chapter 8. talks about us being liberated. I'm going to start reading there verse 1. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Paul writes these words. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin and sinful man in the order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. It says, through Christ Jesus, he sets us free. And so I want you to know you may be not hearing God you may feel lost. Maybe you're lapsed. But you can be liberated through Christ. And so my prayer for us today is the words of our invitation hymn that we're going to sing here in just a minute. And I hope that you can sing these words with meaning. Shackled by a heavy burden neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me and now I am no longer the same. <laughs>
He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And oh, the joy that fills my soul. Something happened and now I know He touched me and made me whole. Can you sing that with conviction this morning? As the ladies come forward and we get ready to stand and sing that hymn, if there's some burden on your heart this morning and the Lord is speaking to you and you feel the need, you're welcome to come down. Or you may want to just sit in place and, and talk to the Lord. If He's speaking to your heart in some way, would you respond to Him today?